Break a leg. Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio and the founder and CEO of Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a board-certified integrated holistic health energy and sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. What a very exciting show we have in store. It is the first in a 12-part series. Your feedback from two prior shows, The Likely Future, which aired on September 30th, and Do Unto Earth, which aired on December 9th, was so inspiring. You asked for more, and we're going to deliver throughout this new year. On the second Wednesday of every month, we will delve deeper into the messages received from PACS through channeler Carol Serene Borgens. Everything from the future of fossil fuels, natural remedies, and extraterrestrials, to developing your own psychic abilities, the Big Bang Theory, and the quest for peace on Earth. Maybe we should have started with that one tonight. I'm not sure. We heard you loud and clear, though, and today is the first in the series with our two guests. So they are, as I said, Penelope Jean Hayes is a new consciousness author, television personality, and speaker. She's the foremost leader in the field of contagious and osmotic energy known as viral enology. She's the founder of the Viral Energy Institute and author of the book, The Magic of Viral Energy. And she's appeared on both national and international television and hosts her own podcast that is simply called Penelope. Carol Serene Borgens is a former nurse and longtime student of metaphysics. She has been channeling spirits since the early 90s when she was chosen by PAX, and she was given the title Spirit Messenger. Now, Carol races cars and she writes, provides in-person as well as remote sessions for clients around the globe, and refers to her gift of channeling as the greatest blessing in my life, and it is a blessing to all of us. So, Happy New Year and welcome to the show, Carol and Penelope. Thank you for agreeing to participate in this year-long journey. How are you being? (laughs) Thank you and Happy New Year back. Being well. (laughs) Being well, that's good. And that was one of you. That was Carol. Penelope, how are you? Oh, you're being well too. (laughs) Well, as I said, this is the first in a 12-part series, and the first topic in our series tonight is the secret lives of extraterrestrials. This is really a big topic. (laughs) There is, you know, a lot of chapters in this book, and this one's about 24 pages long, so you would think, well, okay, you know, we can can do that. We probably need like a six-hour show to actually get through the whole thing, but In this particular chapter, PAX gives us a peek at alien life from everything from ET artwork and entertainment and from reproduction to the question of religion. So I would like to start with, as I read through the chapter, there was so much. So I thought, all right, let's start with the artwork and entertainment and see what the similarities are in the way that aliens have been depicted for decades. I've always presumed it was because of the way witnesses described them from either Roswell or having been abducted, because we do have cases of people saying that they've been abducted by aliens. So does Pax say whether or not those depictions are even close to those who have visited our planet? Hello? Uh-oh. Hi, have we, we, have we lost? Have we lost, we, we've lost someone? I, I don't know. 
Penelope, are you there? Uh, her phone is still in. Carol, I've got you. Yes, I'm Penelope? here. Penelope? Penelope? I don't know why she's not. I've got her, and I can last four digits of 5948. She's still on cue, but I don't know why we cannot hear her. Penelope, are you muted? Maybe it, Penelope, if you can hear me, can you call back in? I don't, I don't know. What's, oh, she's calling back in. Okay, good. She just hung up, so she's going to try to call back in. That's good. Gosh, I okay. hope she heard what I said because I don't remember. <laughs> it sounded good um, to me. When you asked the question about the depiction of, of the aliens, I think about the cave paintings that go back to almost prehistoric times, and Pax talks to us about those, that they interpret for us now what the people of that time were seeing and actually depicting as gods. Um, when we look back at those paintings, we see that they don't look unlike our view of aliens today, including, you know, helmets on heads and antennas on helmets. And uh, um, they seem to have passed through history and various countries showing the very same depiction of what those gods looked like, which um, they worship as, as gods from the skies, which we take to be the extraterrestrials at the time. Okay, I think Penelope's with us now. Penelope, have you been able I'm to here. rejoin us? Can, oh, good. Okay, can you hear all me? right. Did you hear? We, yeah, I can hear I, you. Can you hear I've us? I heard you the whole time. Yeah, I, th- I think oh, maybe good. production had me muted, but I was not muted on my end. But we're back. Yay! Do you want to? Do you want to speak to that question about the depictions? If we're even close to those who. If the depictions that are made in movies like, you know, E.T., he's awfully cute, and, you know, other movies, if that's anywhere near close to what what is real. Sure. Well, it's an easy question because we talk about it in the book. So um, for anyone who's new to to Carol and myself and Pax and our book, Do Unto Earth, my job in this is to ask the questions. So the questions are derived from my consciousness and things that I've been working on, things that have interested me. So one of the questions was regarding literally the movie E.T. and the movie Avatar. And I asked the question of Pax, does, do these movies have any, you know, reflection, any relevance to how it really is an alien life or what they look like or their personalities? And Pax says indeed that, that they do and that these movie makers, Steven Spielberg and James Cameron, were very, um, you know, in, enlightened but also... You know, we're all receiving, especially people in the arts are receiving these downloads from a higher consciousness source at all times. And so Pax says that, yes, indeed, he kind of said, like, where do you think they got their information from? (laughs) So, you know, they're they're getting these ideas from a higher source, another source, whether that be the spirit world or the extraterrestrials themselves somehow spilling over into their consciousness. But that the ET um, character is actually very similar to how some of the extraterrestrial beings are. And there are many beings that look differently from many different planets and different galaxies. And some look like E.T. and some don't. But that they all have a basic humanoid look to them. So while some have developed, you know, the large almond eyes and very tiny bodies like the greys, 
for various reasons that would be important in the worlds in which they live. And you see how some aliens are depicted and have been described from encounters with having very small mouth, for instance. So they're not eating food the way that we would. And so naturally, the senses are different and they evolve different as a result of that. So Pax was clear in that, you know, there is no lizard man out there, according to Pax, that, you know, it's not that there's these hybrids of, you know, animal type they all really are humanoid looking but have evolved in different ways and therefore have variations to that general you know we went over it literally in the book we you know it's a, it's a body it's a torso it's two legs two arms a head eyes like these are similarities with all of the we'll call them aliens and i asked well is there a proper you know i want to be politically correct here do we call them aliens do we call them ets do we call them extraterrestrial so he said that we can call them opas other planetary ancestors would cover some many of those who stars seeded us here and i know we spoke about that in one of your earlier shows yes. we can get into that again but or even at a thousand feet that we were star seeded here from ets opas other planetary ancestors from light years away and from other galaxies and it wasn't just one people's at one time, but many different people's at different times throughout our early human history. So, and then he also said that ETs really wouldn't, would be a term that would encompass, you know, all beings, whether that be our ancient ancestors or just all beings. So ET was a very politically correct um, way to call them, and they seem to not mind what we call them. Well, and we need to know that because, you know, some people have read the book and some people have not. They're new to this and want to make sure we're politically correct. <laughs> you know, I don't want to offend anybody and call them aliens if that's not proper. Right. You we know? don't want to offend those from other planets. <laughs> no, we don't because they're here to help us. But what was fascinating throughout the book, you, you know, the common thread is, is there's a lot of uh, talk about extraterrestrials throughout the book. We know that. But this particular chapter, some of the things that, that came up that were of interest and in, in kind of, I don't know, I just thought, oh, that's too bad, is the way that they are different from us. Because when he was telling, giving you the message regarding, you know, they may have humanoid features, if you will, or attributes, they don't, they are not human. I, I took it almost as though they're not even organic, because, and, it, and it could be wrong, but because of the fact that the way that they repair their bodies and the way that, they are able to get parts. It sounded almost like going to get your car fixed and the whole artificial intelligence thing, you know? So it, did he, it didn't say, but they, they eat nutrients rather than enjoying food. So, you know, yeah. they don't so get to the, have chocolate. Food, that, that was mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so are they organic or are nutrients, they, not flavors? Nutrients yeah, so as I we know them, or... at... mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, so derived from plants. So he does say that advanced civilizations don't eat meat and that um, right. that would be something for us to look into evolving into. That, you know, no judgment passed for those who eat meat, but that that would be something to look at and it would solve a lot of our environmental issues and health crisis issues as well. So the ETs with their, you know, with their small mouths are eating, I would imagine, 
you can almost think of it like supplements and they're not really focused on flavors and those type of, of pleasures. But, you know, I think what you're concerned with or what was a little bit um, maybe disappointing, I think was the word that you used was this idea of our T our ETs, you know, very much like us or are they somewhat artificial intelligence? So I want to dive into that a little bit to kind of clear it up. Mm -hmm. There are different, different ETs. And so some ETs, first of all, they all have a soul. So this was important to know as well. And I was pleased to hear that they all have a soul. So they are indeed like us in so many ways. I would say they are more like us than they are not like us. The artificial intelligence is simply a technological advancement. So they, you know, even today there are, you know, if you, if you have a telephone, you have artificial intelligence. Well, if you were to take a peek into our future 50 years from now, you'd probably find that that same telephone is now just a tiny, tiny little thing that is so small that you could wear it around your wrist or you could even have it inserted like a little chip if you chose to into your body. So now you are an artificial intelligence. You have a component of artificial intelligence, and we're already using them as outside devices. So there are people who might have hearing difficulties. Well, they have artificial intelligence through inserting different pieces to help them with their hearing. So now you would say that they would have an aspect of artificial intelligence. So that is all that PAX is referring to, that there are advancements that have allowed for devices that they can carry with them around in their body. And if they wanted to make any adjustments in their personal world, like for us, we would think about changing the temperature in your house. Well, I have an app on my phone. I don't even have to get up. I just change the temperature through my phone. It's the same thing. It's just the next level. And in addition to that, there's different types of beings from different planets. And there's different types of beings that some are actually designed just purely for function. And so there are some that would be a hybrid between what we would think of as a being, whether that's um, beings like, like we would think of ourselves, you know, um, human beings, flesh and blood, and they have been made hybrid with artificial intelligence. There's different levels of this. There's the, the worker bees that are hybrids that are purpose built and purpose driven and are actually um, very happy to have that task and have that job and that's all they want to do in life. And then there's the more, you know, advanced beings that have some components of artificial intelligence because they choose to, because it helps their life, just as we would have a phone or a computer or anything else. They've just, you know, it's become so small and been able to kind of be hardwired in. It's just an advancement and we're moving in that direction in a lot of ways as well. See, I'm having a hard time with wrapping my brain around the artificial intelligence part, okay, because we are human beings and we can make choices. And if we choose to use a hearing aid, we choose that. We can take it out. We cannot use it, eyeglasses, contact lenses, anything um, that we choose to do, if we choose to chip ourselves or our animals so that they don't get lost and we can find them. To me, that's not artificial intelligence. That's a mechanism that's put into your body to help you with something, but it itself is not intelligent, and it does not increase my intelligence level. It just allows me to work better and function better as a human being. So that, to me, is not artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, to me, is like a robot that can do a lot of things is going to take over the world. That's pretty much what you're seeing in movies. Yeah, and that's that's where Hollywood comes in. Mm -hmm. Yes, but having said that, 
I think a lot of people think that and find it hard because when you when we use in the book and they use the word you know these these beings are built and all they want to be is worker bees so do they have free will to change their mind and learn more or are they built that way you're always going to be that way and therefore they don't have freedom of choice to be able to learn or grow if they have a soul and your soul on this planet, as far as spirituality goes, when we speak of spirituality, it brings into play of a lot of things that have become, I'll use the word known or given, such as we're here on earth for our soul's growth, and we come back to learn a variety of lessons. Did they not have that option? I mean, they're just, they're just built for to be one thing. It's like building a car. This is a car that's going to do this, but it won't mm-hmm. do that. That's what, yeah. that's what well, makes it hard you know, for me to wrap my brain around, you know? Sure. Well, there's just two different things. And the first thing is that artificial intelligence is something we're using all the time. So your concept of artificial intelligence is probably derived from something that Hollywood, you know, showed us. And that would be, as you said, like, you know, the robot stuff. So there's two different types here we're talking about. The first type would be similar to us, but highly evolved in their technological advancements and also highly evolved as beings, you know, making better choices. You could call that a spiritual evolution, or you could just say more evolved in their consciousness. And they Mm -hmm. do choose those to be put into their bodies. They're not born with it. It's literally like you would think of if you took the cell phone that you have on your desk or if you have in your purse and you made it really, really small, a cell phone is an artificial intelligence. I mean, if you have a smartphone, you have yes, it is. many mechanisms but it of artificial intelligence. Artificial in- but it doesn't make and me it artificially yeah. intelligent. It is artificial yep. intelligence. Yeah. Well, that, that's, yeah. So in, yeah. So in the case of the first beings, these are choices that are put, that they decide that they will have. So they also arrive fully formed. They're not born. So you can think more of like a more Kimindi type um I know, that was weird, too. A lot of this, see, that's why we don't have a tremendous amount of, one of the reasons why we don't have a whole lot of encounters with extraterrestrials is because it blows our mind a little too much. Like, we're not ready for it. So, you know, there's probably a whole lot more that Pax has held back from telling us because we couldn't even conceptualize it. But just to, I just want to make sure we get like a good wrap on that, you know, the artificial intelligence that there are the beings that choose it, like they would choose to have it inserted into um, into their brain, and it helps with different things that they do. So it is adding to their intelligence because they can do so much more. It amplifies their abilities. And if you think of having like a Google search engine, you know, in your head where you don't have to go to the phone or computer, it's that sort of a thing. That's it. Then there are the other types that are purpose built. And while we may not like it, and I had the exact same reaction to I was like, oh, well, that's a little sad for them. But and yeah. it was one of my questions. I, I literally asked. Um, I don't have, uh, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase my own question here, but it was because I know how it felt. So I know how it felt. I can easily regurgitate what the conversation was and how it felt was I asked very much like you are. Like I was kind of, you know, bummed out to hear that I felt sad for them and wondered if this was their free will. And the answer from Pax came back. It was their free will. 
So while some of this can't be understood by us, you know, I only know what what the conversation was with Pax, who, you know, for anyone who's missed it, Pax is a spirit energy from the spirit world, never walked on the earth. And when asked to further identify who he was, um, he said, we are one with the universe, not the universe alone. We are the God being. And so it's a powerful source. And so I can only say that, you know, I dig deep with these questions. And at some point, You're the conversation that. comes, they, you know, the conversation, I can feel the energy that there are times when Carol and I both know that Pax is done with that conversation. And it's usually just for our <laughs> own good. It's like we either don't have the ability. I asked one time when we were talking about the fuel for interstellar travel at light speed. And I was really, you know, picking away at that because this would be a game changer. It would change everything and release us from our dependency on fossil fuel. So it was very important for me to really dig my heels into that. And I remember Pax saying, um, I had asked, something he was describing about smashing together hydrogen atoms. And I said, oh, is that like what they do at CERN? And he said, this is outside of this conversation. So sometimes you get almost <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not going to say a slap on the wrist, but there's almost like where you can kind of tell it's that, you know, parental figure type energy where it's like, okay, you've had enough fun. We're going to back away from that. Yeah. So, and I, and it, You're not it's ready never for this because of, <laughs> You're not all, ready, and that's all it is. So yeah, ahead, he tells us we're not ready. And I would also like to reinforce um, what was said about the worker bee type of ETs because I feel the Pax energy as I'm channeling. And I also ask my own questions um, telepathically while I'm channeling sometimes. That type of entity has made a choice, if you will, and they are extremely happy to be doing what they're doing and not asked of, not asked anything more of. They they know their work, they're happy with their work, and they don't want to um, have to expand. So it seems like a win-win situation. And if we know that they're happy in what we consider as a limited um, area of function, well, uh, you know, uh, I'm fine with that. Okay, I, I'm going to ask a question here. What about emotions, love, and experiencing intimacy and having that family unit, somebody missing you while you're off on a Saturday night going to visit our planet? That must be prehistoric to them because they can't believe that we don't. <laughs> You know, I mean, it really must be. It must be like, let's go to the drive-in on Saturday night and see what the people on Earth are doing because they're acting like a bunch of idiots, you know. So it's entertainment probably. But what about emotions? They have a soul, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're growing like we are, but do they actually get to emote? They have emotions, and I would say that their range of emotions and their depth of love would be even stronger than ours. But unlike ours? Um, I think it is like ours. I think that it's very much like ours. I don't think that there's too many differences in this regard. I think you're trying to put a pin on, like, would you, you know, hang out with this ET? Would you have dinner with this ET? Would you feel um, emotions with this with this being? And the yeah, answer do they is they get yes. married? We... And not... Okay, what about getting married? Well, they don't stuff. need They marriage. don't have they reproduction. Don't need... Yeah, they don't. They don't need marriage. See, marriage and religion and a lot of these things, again, this is so outside of our paradigms that it is really yeah. hard for us. But 
they have no need for marriage. They're, you know, they know that they're all connected. They know that love is universal and their, their love is so strong that they, you know, they're at a higher consciousness. They're operating in realms of higher consciousness. And so they, they almost are love, you know, they, they're operating in these ways and they understand you know, we cloud ourselves with so many things that just are simply derived from our, uh, you know, our, you know, cultures and traditions. Yes. And so marriage for them, like, it's just, it's, it's not to poo-poo marriage at all, but for them it's just not necessary. You know, they have those bonds with everyone in their community, and they love. When I asked about Roswell, Roswell's a big topic, so you tell me when you want to jump in, but on this topic, I'll just say when I asked about the crash at Roswell and the being that was left behind that eventually became yeah. to his injuries and died in, in the care of the United States military, I asked, you know, would, would their loved ones know that they passed away and, you know, would they be missing them? And the emotions were were great. You know, the emotions were that they would they would know because they would know instantaneously by way of telepathic communication. They are so connected. Who can say that in our own families? Well, you and I love, we all love. Our capacity for love and the utilization of our senses is so very limited in comparison. If they're able to transmit love energy telepathically through galaxies to their home people, you know, this is a... a level and a channel of love and emotion that is truly beyond our comprehension in so many ways. But yes, they, they have affection. They have love. They have all of those things that you would hope they have. They do. And yet we know we hear stories of couples or people, uh, siblings or a parent and child where there are moments of that on this planet where it does happen. I know it has happened for me and I know it's happened for a lot of other people where you know something and you can feel such strong love for someone that you either just met, just talked to. It's not necessarily, you know, um, relationship love. It's not intimate love. You just love that person. Something happens to you in those moments and you feel something that is so beautiful that you just can't believe it. and, And you want it all the time. But then I go back to, you know, you get out of that and then you go back to being a normal human being <laughs> and not being in that light. And, you know, it's, it's just kind of sad because it's like they don't have those emotions where and it is because of what we're used to. It is because of who we are, you know, and, and we're probably the infants of all of the beings extraterrestrial because yeah. we're extraterrestrial to them, you know, so. But it's just sad to think, wow, they don't get to experience love or holding their baby because they're built. They don't have babies. Oh, but they, they don't have they that. They do. Okay. Their primary Go purpose ahead. is creation. Their primary purpose is creation. So they create in everything that they do, and they create as they spread wisdom and knowledge across the universe. They have creation that we just don't understand. So they're creating um, you know, not just they they do reproduce, just not in the way that we do. So they're making more of themselves, but not in the way that we do. There's no sex involved. Let's put it that way. 
and they mm-hmm. create as their as their you know primary job they're they're creating and so if you imagine this amazing example that you just gave T to live in that light of love all the time that is how they live you know to live at that level all the time is how they live and they would look at us and say isn't it a shame that these people were with each other <laughs> these idiots, you know I mean, really, it's true because if they go, they fight, they argue. The conversation is very flipped here because, you know, they would, you know, perhaps without judgment, but if they're looking at us, they're going, none of this makes sense. This does not make sense. (laughs) (laughs) I can't figure this out. These are loving people. You fooled me. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. That's yeah. Oh, that's why I say you come here on a Saturday night. You're gonna see war. You're gonna see everything. You know, you get a full blown movie. It's got everything in it. <laughs> but you know, it, yeah. it's true because we have an understanding that we limit ourselves to this understanding, and when we do that, it's really hard to grasp something else. I mean, and I'm pretty open to understanding it. And I I can see how yeah, when you're living in that blissful moment, that yes, that would be great to live in. Be- and you don't know what you're missing on the other end. So when somebody looking at it saying, that's really not missing anything, you know, it really isn't. It's just, it seems like, you know, when you, have you ever met anybody who really didn't emote? They were totally unemotional. And you mm-hmm. just thought, what is wrong with that person? I can't get them to do any. They don't smile. They don't laugh. They don't cry. They do nothing. And that's kind of what I'm picturing. It's more robotic. And because of the yeah, fact that Yeah, I, I think that's the wrong image. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think that's the... You know, the the being that died in our care at the crash at Roswell mm-hmm. suffered greatly and missed yes. her family and suffered greatly. And they are able to telepathically communicate that. So you may not see emotion on their face and their, um, you know, no need for Botox and all of these things. But they, you know, they have <laughs> capacities far greater. So we look at, we want to see emotion on your face. That's why I mentioned this. You want to be able yes. to. That's just how we're enculturated. We're in, that's just where yeah. we are right now in our evolution. But you want to see it on someone's face. You want to see them cry, like, cry, so I know that you care. You know, it's just not mm-hmm. the way of the highly spiritually evolved. And it does not mean because you can't see that expression or because you don't understand their language that they look different, right. that they don't have emotions because they not only do they have emotions, but as I said, it's really an important takeaway to understand that they are so evolved that they, you know, they're not doing the things that we're doing. We war between countries, but we also war within our own family. I mean, it's a little, it's a little asinine, you know, if you're them. It's a lot asinine. Yeah, because you should be coming yeah. from love all the time. I mean, you know, come from your heart, come from your heart. It's a job. It's it's hard work to come from your heart all the time. One of the other things to, to let's just go into a different area here, is you talked about, you asked them about the alien abductions. And some people have said they have been, you know, abducted and they have been, you know, examined and sometimes invasively. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so the fact that, They've done that, and, and what we've done at Roswell is the same thing, except that there was one that was living in Roswell, and whatever they did and tortured that person, but wasn't it torture for the people who were being abducted? Now, I know the answer to this, but some people don't. So I'd like you to speak to that about the abductions and what they're doing, because they're, they also were mutilating cows. So, you know, it's like, all right, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I get that they wanted to find stuff out, but they mutilated a lot of cows. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
And so we're, what this does is it comes down to intention. So what happened at Roswell was that the United States military shot down the spacecraft. And Pax tells us that eight arrived that day. So it wasn't just one. So this is kind of news. It wasn't just one, but there were eight craft and that the U.S. government, the military, had the intention to down one of them to then reverse engineer the craft and the beings and to steal the technology. So it all comes down to intention. In terms of the abductions and the cow mutilations, this bothers me too. I mean, this is why I asked about it, because I'm bothered yeah. by this. Like, how can you tell me that they're friendly when, uh, you know, <laughs> I've heard some of these stories. I've watched the TV shows. Like, I believe these people that were you know, traumatized mm-hmm. beyond um, anything that you could even describe, I would say. And the cow mutilations, I mean, it's just, this breaks my heart because, I mean, as we all are on this, on this call of animal lovers. And so the, it's, it comes down to intention. So we're not going to say that aliens are perfect. They're, they're not beings from the spirit world. They're actually physicality. They're advanced beings. So they're not perfect beings, but their intention in both of those cases were not to cause harm, whereas the intention at Roswell was to cause harm, steal technology, you know, basically pillage. And there's a big difference with that. So um, cow mutilations have stopped and it was, uh, you know, decided that that we don't need to look into that anymore. When When the cow mutilations were happening, they were interested to know why humans are so obsessed with cows. And it is a little head-scratching, you know, 23 million a day are killed for our food production on this planet, 23 million a day. And, you know, the the dairy industry is um, quite interesting when you dig into it. So it was to look at what is the obsession that these people have with, with cows and why do we, you know, produce so many of them because cows... Natural cows are uh, very, you know, they're not that many. There are cows that exist in nature, just like there would be ducks that exist in nature. And there shouldn't be this many on the planet. And this is a, you know, it's become also a crisis for our environment. So there was a curiosity there on behalf of the ETs to understand. And there were cow mutilations. And they do look at things more scientifically. So, you know, in terms of um, you know, Pax said to me that for them, there was no emotion. There was no emotion involved. I literally said to Pax, well, for me, there is, you know, for me, it is personal. Yes. So he, that's what he said. He said, it's not personal. Don't take it personal. And I said, well, I do. <laughs> and it's actually in our book, Do Into Earth. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I do take this personal. And so I needed to know more. Now, I don't, yeah. I don't accept, you know, I accept the answer, but I don't accept that ETs did that, and I'll say that they're not perfect. In terms of the abductions, human abductions, so it was what Pax refers to, this is the, quote, borrowing for inspection. So in most cases, they would want to, you know, they returned, they returned the individual, and they had, you know, um, not remembering what happened. And every now and again, someone would remember what happened. So something kind of went wrong there, that this poor soul remembers what happened. And that they were doing the abductions to document the human condition, to kind of keep track well, of us. And, and they knew enough to and, not, I'll say this, they knew enough to not kill the humans and return them from once they came. But the cows, they probably figured, this, I'm going to give them, you know, an out here. They probably figured you're killing them and eating them, so what's a few more? <laughs> you know, if you're going to kill them, yeah, we'll, we'll kill them and put them back. They, they might have thought we could still eat them. 
difference does it make to us maybe? Yeah. So, you know, they don't know everything. You know, maybe the spirit world knows everything, yeah. but these are beings and they're very much like us. So to imagine that they know our case, you know, they are also learning about us and they, yeah. they would like to help us from afar, but we're very archaic for them. You know, that the things that oh, we yeah. do are really hard for them to understand because in advanced civilizations, there's no need for, you know, baby cow's milk. It's meant for baby cows. Like there are plants that, that will give you the same thing. So it's quite perplexing. A lot of the things that we do, um, they, they don't understand and they're trying to understand or have tried to understand in past, but we, we are told there will be no more cow mutilation. So that's good news. Well, I think what, what I found to be probably the most incredulous, and it really wasn't in the book, is that when you read this book and you, you hear all this and you realize the level of intelligence that is coming here from far, a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> to coin a phrase, you know, what makes us think that we're so smart <laughs> that we can defend ourselves against them you know, and we're going to fight. And it's, it's funny to, to think about how people would probably truly believe that, well, we can fight them off. And that sounds like it's what the plan was. They, they were shooting down the aircraft so that they could, you know, reverse, mm-hmm. reverse engineer yeah. it. I mean, and what it, makes them, you know, I, yeah. It is just funny. I mean, What's, you said it. It's, it's, mm. just, it's just funny that we would think that, we might as well surrender to it because it, we would be well served to work in collaboration with them if we're so lucky. And, you know, the rest of it is we, we don't stand a chance. And if they wanted to hurt us, they no. would have already. And that, that is in the book. Yes. You know, it, we, we did cover that and it was made clear by Pax that, you know, I said, well, how do you know they're all like, how can you say that they're all friendly? You know, some, have done these different things it's hard to kind of you know marry that in my mind and he said well you know what they would have they could have obliterated your people many times over in history yep yeah the fact that we exist is is that's a sign right there so why not just say okay let's have a cup of tea i really want to find out more about you and i'm sure you want to know why i am so (laughs) far down the totem pole from you i'm sure you don't want to know why is this this is a stupid person this being is really dumb and that's fine with me as long as you're not going to hurt me you know um but you could learn a lot that's what we're supposed to be doing according to pax i mean he he tells us that they're watching us they want to help us in any way but they're also very cognizant of the fact that should they decide to land and in, invite us in for tea they would be met with hostility shotguns and fear and it wouldn't be yep. a pretty picture so we have the very wrong attitude we live in fear and believe that we can bring guns to resolve any issue and they're not having any of it because they're they're just incredulous at our lack of ability to recognize uh that we we can exist in love we can communicate and we can um learn from them but we're not willing we're not ready so um neither are they to confront us uh unfortunately and there's so much to learn but it'll have to wait for another day I'm right day. there with them on that though you know I'm right there with them on that one you know Oh yeah it, 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 
why can't we just have a conversation? You know, why can't we just learn? But we tend to, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. And that serves no one well. <laughs> but exactly. I can understand why they don't want to land. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Uh, one it of the other also things be, that in the – go ahead. I was just going to say it would also be very divisive for the people on Earth, um, some of whom would be more spiritually motivated. Others would be, you know, bringing the Colt 45s to the meeting. And it would probably just exacerbate, you know, difficult situations already going on on this planet between factions of people. So they're just avoiding us. Well, and, and you know, we are very materialistic. Uh, we'd be sticking a flag in the middle of the universe if we thought we could and just claiming <laughs> it. And yeah, you know, I mean, really, the moon's ours, you know, this, this planet's ours. Like, really, you know, it's, yep. it's not anybody, yeah. but we are so, so absurd. <laughs> it is. The it really is. And, you know, on, how on do you the moon figure, and on Mars, yeah. it's absurd. Actually, Pat yeah, talked and, about that, didn't he, Penelope? He, didn't oh, he, he say, talked about flag planting. Yep. Yeah, he said you would you would simply be there to to plant your flag and and claim exactly. mineral rights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, really, it's like, <laughs> it's crazy, but that's you know that's what we are on our planet. That's why we're probably the infants of the of the entire however big the universe is. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Um, but one of the things it's that crazy. I found interesting, and I think people would like this, is the what he talked about with the crop circles when you asked about that. And I thought, oh, that's really cool because I have a crop circle in my yard. So I was just like, oh, oh do you really? I would like to know about this. This is really interesting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You've had a visitor. <laughs> well, so I think I did because, the... you know. No, no, go ahead. I want to hear about your visitor. Oh. Oh, I uh, quite a few years ago. What was it? 2010, I think. 2010. I was. It was Christmas time. There was snow on the ground. I put on my show, snowshoes and I went outside and I wanted to build a labyrinth somewhere in my yard and I didn't know where to put it. And I'm on three acres, so I was like, okay, I want to figure this out. There's got to be a place I can put it. I don't want it like in the middle of the front yard. I don't want it in the middle of the backyard. Where can I put this this labyrinth? And I walked over to a spot and I was like, I don't know. Is this the spot? And I went inside because I couldn't figure it out. It was cold. So then I went out probably in March. And I did the same thing. And I walked around and I thought, I don't know, maybe here. I'm not sure. And then in April, my husband was shaving and he looked out the bathroom window and he said to me, and I don't think he listens to me all the time. And he certainly doesn't really, he didn't at the time (laughs) understand all the weirdness that I was doing. First of all, I'm an energy therapist. I'm playing crystal balls. What kind of weirdo am I married to? You know, all that stuff. And he, he says, hey, you know that thing that you want to build? And I said, what thing? He goes, that thing outside. I saw the labyrinth. And he goes, yeah. And I said, yeah. He goes, there's your sign. Now, he does not speak those words. He does not know there's your oh sign. Oh, my goodness. Okay, that is not, this is not, you know, I, I always ask for a sign or whatever. He's like, I think you got your sign. However he, he worded it, I was stunned. I thought, he's trying to give me a heart attack. <laughs> What's he doing? And I looked out, and there was a circle in the yard. And it was off behind some trees. We live on a lake. So there's a lake. There's reeds. There's a lot of brush. He had cleared away a ton of the brush on one side of the property. Another side we left alone because it was off to the side that wasn't really proper yard. So I looked out and I said, yeah, there, there is, that is a sign. So I went out later and I looked at it and I measured it. I needed 50 feet, a round circle of 50 feet plus an entryway. I had 54 feet 
And I was like, wow, I can do this. All the reasons and everything were laid down, and it didn't take as much as I thought it would in the winter because I knew the brush and everything that was there. There were reeds, and they have really deep roots. But now in that place sits a labyrinth. And what is very interesting about it is as soon as I finished building the labyrinth, because we did it ourselves, uh, I ran in the house and joined the Labyrinth Society, the Worldwide Labyrinth Society. <laughs> I did not realize that the president of the society lived about, I don't know, half of an hour away from me. I had no clue. That <laughs> year was the 10th anniversary of 9-11. I came to find out after I had visited a labyrinth in New York that they built for the, the um, families of victims that when I built my labyrinth, even though I had a chart and I was doing it properly, ultimately what happened was I didn't build it right. It was exactly like the one in New York City. And I was like, this is crazy. Why do I have an extra square? This Whoa. is crazy. I shouldn't have this extra square. So I did something wrong, but I did it right, obviously. <laughs> then I decided, Let's, I'll play my crystal balls on the lake. We'll bring people over. We'll do yoga. We'll play crystal balls. And then they'll go in the labyrinth. They did. People came out crying. One woman came out crying, waving in her face, going, I never cry. And her friend says, she never cries. I've never seen this woman cry. I've known for 30 years she doesn't cry. She's crying. I told her, go sit down. You'll be okay. These Whoa. women come in that I don't know. And one of them says, I'm with the World Labyrinth Society. And I said, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> I just, <laughs> and she says, no, no, we just want to walk the labyrinth. Now, I'm watching these women walk the labyrinth, and they're running this labyrinth like four or five times. I'm like, you don't run a labyrinth. It's very meditative. It's got these blocks in it that have wisdom and peace and love on them, intention and all this stuff. Big bell in the middle, a shahola bell that you ring. It's the third eye. I mean, it's crazy, right? So they come out, and one woman looks at the other one, and she says to me, okay, this isn't very nice, but what the hell kind of a vortex do you have going on in there? The energy is so strong. And I was like, that's really cool. Thank you. Okay, did I do everything right? They said, no, we love this place. So I don't know how that circle came to be. It wasn't a circle when I looked at it, but it was out the window. And my husband saw it and told me about it. And I built a labyrinth there. And if you ever come to New Jersey, you can come and walk my labyrinth. (laughs) Or maybe run. fantastic. (laughs) Isn't that cool? That and sounds, then one night, I'm, I'm, that is, I'm I love I, I, that there were story. all kinds of animals in there, too. There was, a, there was a deer that was watching me build. Every day, she'd just sit there and watch me make the labyrinth. And then there were uh, bears. And I, I walked into a cub one day. I was in the labyrinth, and it walked up to me and brushed <laughs> my leg. And I knew, this isn't good. Where's your mother? I'm running in the house that's 300 feet away. I mean, it was crazy. A lot of stuff has been happening in that labyrinth. A lot of animals. and you know. It, but I don't know who, who actually... <laughs> cleared it. <laughs> well, it could have been one of Pax's friends. Story. You never it could have been one of Pax's friends that cleared it for me. You know, I don't know. What a yeah. wonderful story! But That's just wonderful. It, it's kind of neat. I think about it every time I go in there. I think about how it came to be, and I think this is crazy. You know, but well, it's a the gift, way that isn't the, it. It is a gift, yeah. And the fact that people come out of there crying and feeling so good is crazy. I mean, my landscaper walked it a couple of times when I asked him if he would take over the mowing of it. And he said, okay. And then he was walking it. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, I I never said anything to him, but I could see him from the house. And I thought, good for you. (laughs) You know, you keep walking that. But the the reason for the crop circles are, let's get to that. That's what we're... That was the question. <laughs> it's a, well, it's it's a message. It's a message that they are nearby, and it's also their humor and their art. So I'll unpack all of that. You know, it is very curious that we have not made it past our own moon and all of these years of space travel. And so, you know, the spirit world is blocking us because of the way we are right now. It's not the time. We need to 
you know, we keep dumping space junk into space. And so ETs are coming to us every now and again. And while they are not in the habit of having a lot of interaction in terms of, you know, face-to-face encounters these days, they're kind of stepping back from that. They want us to know that they're here. They're sending a message. And they're also kind of giggling a little bit about it because these crop circles are very humorous to them. And they just want to leave the message that they're, they're here. You know, they're nearby. They're watching. And if you ever thought that we're in control, like we were speaking earlier, you know, they, <laughs> they are here. And if they wanted to hurt us, they would. So this is like a sweet and friendly and humorous little sign to say, like, you're not alone. So wake up to that. You're not alone. And maybe that can help raise people's consciousness a little bit. So they make the crop circles with the thrusters for propulsion and reverse thrust. And they change the pitch and the speed and the direction of these thrusters to make the, the wheat field move in different ways or the grass move in different ways. So that's how they're making it. They're making it with their thrusters. And those thrusters are intended for you know, it's one of their instrumentation on some of their vehicles that allows them to move and change direction. So it is not the systems that allow for propulsion and travel at the speed of light and faster. These are systems that will allow them to change direction and pitch in nanoseconds. So we've seen these videos. Air Force guys have taken videos of yeah. different UFOs and they'll all of a sudden like go some crazy direction on a 45, like nothing that we're able to do, nothing that we could replicate, nothing that any of our, you know, best aircraft could ever do. That's what those thrusters are. So when they come to do the, the crop circles, they're having fun. And Pax also says it's kind of like art school. It's like a nighttime <laughs> art school. And so I just envision this beautiful, like you could almost say that, you know, the day when this is made into a movie, there'll be, you know, that orchestra playing in the background in a dimly lit field with ETs in their UFOs using their thrusters very quietly in the night to the orchestra music, making these crop circles. And it is their artwork. So it's humor, it's artwork, and it's a sign to let us know, a very gentle and loving sign, a non-threatening sign to say, do you think you could make this? I don't think so. And they are beautiful. Some of them are really pretty. I mean, it is, it's like they have a, a cricket and they're using some kind of a, you know, one of those cricket machines that you put the stencil in and everything comes out perfect because it's absolutely perfect. I mean, if they're just flying it around and they're not using a stencil, you know, that's pretty good. They're advanced. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're advanced. advanced. <laughs> there you go. They're advanced. <laughs> and we are not. <laughs> and we are not. You know, there are fish. I think they're a blowfish type that do that same thing underwater in the sand and they make almost like exactly big. It's so intricate and so beautiful and so large and they do it all to attract their mate. But it's just this most amazing thing. It's like an underwater crop circle. So they're advanced too. You know, the animals are more advanced than us. The ETs are more advanced than us. And then there's us thinking we're so smarter and so much emotionally intelligent over them. It's it's really actually kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny because we think we're superior over everything, but we have so much to learn from even children. They come in knowing more than we do, and we just don't pay attention to them. We you know then we fill their heads full of garbage, and this is what we end up being. Here we are, <laughs> you right. know. If we just let right. them grow on their own. <laughs> 
so true. We oh reprogram them with a whole bunch of stuff that uh, is not what matters most. What we want them to know. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Why not? He he did talk about reincarnation and that they do not reincarnate in the way that people believe, and I'm a believer that we do reincarnate and we've had past lives, but our past, present, and future lives are all happening at the same time and all that stuff. I agree with all of that and, and that we've been here before and we come back to learn on this planet. But when we're talking about the extraterrestrials, he said they don't reincarnate. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he absolutely said that, and it was a little puzzling to me, too, because yeah. I love the idea of reincarnation. You know, many of us remember some of our past lifetimes or moments from them or themes of them, emotions from them, past scars from them. And so to somehow, like, disavow, you know, reincarnation in past lives seems a little weird to us spiritualists, but for them... They live a very long time, and they have the ability to live a very long time. And so they, they don't experience death the way we do. And when I asked Pax about this, it was like a general blanket statement that basically they don't die. They have the ability. Now, there have been deaths. The, the being at Rod, Roswell died. So there, there is death, but it's not the norm. It's not the norm to have end of life for them. So there's no need for reincarnation. They don't have the diseases we have. They're not polluting their environment. They don't handle, they don't have stress. It's not a thing for them. So a lot of our diseases are caused by stress. It's our interpretation of our world and our place. Yeah, we, you know, we know that. And so, you know, stress because do we maybe not have enough money or something happened and can you not pay your bills or, you know, so these things cause stress and the environment is, uh, subluxation of toxins and so we have death and so again it's a paradigm shift for us to imagine that well wait a minute they don't die after like 80 90 years they keep going well yes they can't because they don't have the environmental pollution they don't have the you know emotional issues that we cling on to they're able to let things you know flow through them they're not experiencing and interpreting relationships like we do so it's not that they don't care they just are more advanced than us in this area so they live on and on and in addition to that they can do you know parts replacement so we would think about you know we now today can replace an organ well they're much more advanced than that they can replace all kinds of parts so if there was a need to if there was some sort of uh, accident experience where they had damage to certain you know parts they can have replacement of that and so it's just completely different and very hard for us to understand when he spoke to the evolution our evolution and i can't remember what this what the concept was um he had said that there would be we would know much more and be much more i don't want to use the word enlightened but i can't think of the right word within two generations and i thought two generations Mm -hmm. is only 40 years 50 max we got a lot mm-hmm. of growing to do in that time. That's not that long. Mm-hmm. I find that exciting. So the idea that, you know, it won't be that long before we are able to travel outside of our, you know, we're being blocked. So it's not that we couldn't, you know, our technologies are being blocked. And we, as we evolve, so the way to have those higher technologies is through consciousness. So the evolution of our consciousness is the way. It's not going to be toiling in a lab somewhere trying to invent something. The inventions come, like 
tops of energy, thought energy, when we're ready. So when our species evolves to that point, we will be ready. And that will happen in, as Pac said, you know, the next two generations. So we're moving into it right now. We're entering the new age right now. And that new age is when we do tap into senses beyond our five senses. We're going to start tapping into even telepathic communication. We're going to use a lot of the senses that we have just ignored. We have them, but we ignore them. We haven't developed them. We haven't returned to them. We've really ignored them, allowed them to go dormant like a muscle that's not used. So we are entering into that now, and these types of conversations are becoming very, very mainstream, and there's no turning back from that. So within a couple of generations, we're going to start to see positive changes that will allow for the unveiling of these technologies that will, you know, take us farther into space and will heal, you know, many things in our world. So that's very good news. We're going to be moving in the right direction. That is very good news. And it's a good place for us to stop because we're at the top of the hour. I can't believe it. It always goes by so fast. But it was a lot of fun and very interesting. And I find that whole thing very exciting. I, I probably won't live to see the end results of it. But you know what? There's a lot going on, and we'll be able to see the part, uh, start of it. So, my goodness, thank you both for being here. I, uh, I really appreciate your time and coming on, especially to do this whole journey for this year. And every, you know, once a month we'll be having a show with Penelope and Carol talking about the messages that PAX has brought through that are going to be beneficial for everyone. So to follow along, please check out Do Unto Earth. It's not too late. You can get it on Amazon so you don't have to leave your house or you can go to your local bookstore if you'd like, wherever, you know, it's everywhere. It's being sold everywhere. And you both have websites as well. Uh, Penelope, tell us about your website, and then Carol will ask you about yours. Sure, PenelopeJeanHayes.com, also ViralEnergyInstitute.com, and they are linked through PaxWisdom.com. <laughs> and mine is uh, carolsereneborgans.com, and again, that can also be linked through paxwisdom.com. Yeah, check out paxwisdom.com. There's a lot of information on there. You'll find a lot of really good, solid stuff to, to get your hands on. And uh, I don't remember, the book is for sale on the website? Uh, no, we don't Amazon. sell directly. Okay, Amazon, so it is through Amazon. Okay, yeah. So check it out because really if you want to follow along and I think you should, you'll know what we're talking about and and you know you can read ahead and then send questions if you like ahead of time so that we can ask these questions while we have Penelope and Carol both on air. So thank you both for joining us tonight. I really really appreciate it. I appreciate your time and I uh, love having you and can't wait to have you back again, which will be on Wednesday, February 10th. So get that in your calendars now so you don't forget. Be sure to tune in next week for another great show. But that's when our next show will be. So thank you, ladies. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Dee. It was wonderful. Yeah, it always is with you. I, I have a great time with it. Okay, listeners, <laughs> we need you to spread the word. <laughs> we know you yes, enjoy please. what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We are living a most unprecedented time that is proving to be challenging and life-changing for everyone around the globe. Our world is quickly and constantly changing. That's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we're meant to live, productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know. 
and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn to grow and make the world a better place for all, too. For more information about me and my work or to schedule a remote energy session, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. Please also check out Soji Hegel's Children's Foundation, where every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run solely by volunteers. There are no salaries, stipends, or compensation of any kind to anyone and you can learn about our fundraising campaigns and see exactly where the money goes and how it helps the kids in need. So follow us on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. And while you're in your social media accounts, please be sure to like us on Facebook, Soji Huggles Children's Foundation. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most enjoyable week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well.